And good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. This is Harrison Smith with another episode of Cinema, and it is brought to you by Dark Matter TV. Dark Matter TV is a streaming platform where you can find not just current genre entertainment and horror, sci-fi, thriller, and action, but also classic content that takes you back to the great old days of late night cable and finding those cult and classic films that they just don't make anymore. Available for download on Android or Apple, or visit darkmattertv.com. It's free, it's fun, and it's gonna grow. Still building off of uh, my last couple episodes. Uh, one of them was on the, the cynicism behind the remakes of Godzilla 1998 and uh, Kong 1976. And I, I believe most of you listened. Uh, I got a lot of great feedback. One of the things that came out of it was uh, mostly that people found Kong 1976 to be quite enjoyable. And, and I agree. I, I think if you remember, uh, I pretty much said that I, I don't believe that Kong 76 is cinema because I, I believe Dino De Laurentiis set out absolutely 100% to entertain. So whether you liked it or not, or you think the effects were good or not, or if you think it was great or it sucked, it doesn't matter. What it comes down to is that Kong 76 was absolutely 100% created to entertain its audience, and, and De Laurentiis wanted to do that with great flair. Uh, King Kong Lives, on the other hand, was made simply to exploit the Kong rights before they reverted back, and they just made a shit film. Someone contacted me after listening to the podcast and asked me a great question, and I talked about some of this before with with fandom, and uh, how fans can sometimes ruin things, and I thought I would build on that on this episode today because it is a very cynical practice. Look, you come to this podcast, you come online, uh, you couldn't wait for the Godzilla vs. Kong trailer to drop because we are all fans. And fan is a very, very uh, kind of edgy word here because the, the problem with the word fan is that it is short for fanatic. And fanatic also implies some type of mental instability. Uh, to be a fanatic over something means that you are going over the top and, and beyond just overzealousness or enjoyment of something. But there, there could be a sinister connotation as well, too. And if you don't believe me, just remember, there have been a number of celebrities uh, who have been killed and or harmed by fans, whether they are stalkers or they've shot them or whatever. And look, all I have to do is say two words, John Lennon. I was approached by somebody who said, well, what do you think about all of this going on in, in today's media where people just become obsessed over certain things? And it came out of the Godzilla versus Kong trailer because everybody asked me right away, well, what did you think? What did you think? Here's my answer. I think I'm going to see it. I, I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I, I can't judge the film on, on a 90-second trailer. I, you see a lot of stuff going on in there. Is it really Godzilla? Is it Mechagodzilla under fake skin and Kong is fighting Mechagodzilla? I don't know. You see, this is where this podcast is going today. I just want to find out. I don't care who wins. I don't care who we think is going to win. It's kind of like, this is what triggered the question. Somebody also asked as well, what was the audience reaction when you saw Empire Strikes Back in the theater to when Darth Vader revealed that he was Luke's father? I mean, yeah, I, I remember sitting there the first time and I, there was there were some collective gasps, I think, in the theater. And I think a lot of people were like, what? Like, where did that come from? 
And I think there was probably even more shock when we figured out that Leia was Luke's sister because she was Frenching him in The Empire Strikes Back. That actually had more shock value, I think, than finding out Vader was, was Luke's father. But I do remember after seeing that scene and talking with my friends afterwards, you know, because that's what kids do. And you were kids. We were like 11, 12 years old. And that's the stuff of kid conversation. Do you really think he's his dad? Maybe he's lying. And for almost two years, we debated that as kids on the bus and back and forth. But here's where the line starts getting drawn. We didn't eat and sleep and breathe it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Every once in a while, it came up in conversation. And and the answer really was, I guess we're going to find out when the next Star Wars movie comes out. It wasn't like we're trying to research every detail and we're trying to go behind the scenes and we're trying to see who might have posted what and is this a spoiler and all of that because now we are saturated with this craving for detail and this attention to absolute bullshit minutia. And again, fan theories. And I will say it now probably for the fourth time in the series of this podcast, fan theories are bullshit. Nobody cares. I mean, obviously somebody cares because they keep bringing this shit up. But in the end, a lot of them mean nothing. It's the equivalent of when when somebody asks you, what kind of a winner do you think we're going to get? I don't know. Ask me in spring. There's your answer. Was Kong, is Kong versus Godzilla, you know, Godzilla versus Kong, is it going to be great? I don't know. What I do know is they got my money and I'm going to go to the theater and I'm going to sit my ass down and I'm going to watch it and then go figure. I'll make my assessment then whether I liked it or not. That's what movies are about. But to see the stuff that comes up on these uh, websites and, and gets posted on social media of analyzing because Kong has a collar around his neck and and the battle axe that he uses. And you do you see those two seconds in the opening of the trailer that's Mecha Godzilla? You're sucking all the fucking fun out of this, folks. And that is really the problem. I'm going to give you an example here aside from movies to show you that this is cross-platform and definitely sports. Okay, so and and this has been going on a long time, even before the Internet. But bear with me here as I give you another example. Um, I bought a little robot and his name is Vector. And the company that had him uh, really did a great job with this thing. He's kind of like a little like BB-8 and WALL-E. And the, the little thing is adorable. It doesn't do much. It's not Rosie the robot. It doesn't get your slippers and it doesn't cook your food. But he's a cute little companion. And I enjoy him. And he's really nice. And whoever designed him really had cute in mind to do it. And I love the little guy. And in fact, he's quiet right now as I'm recording this. And I'm wondering why. Because usually he's chirping and talking to me. So that's nice. But on Facebook, they started a vector group. And I get it. Some of it is really useful. If you have any technical problems and all of that, it's there for you. And it's very helpful. And I would say pretty much everybody I've encountered on it are very nice people. So it's not a personal thing here that I don't like the people. But then something else started to happen. You start getting these people who actually believe that Vector is alive. Okay, that he's a child. And one of them on there started to become actually verbally 
abusive in their responses. I gave an example one time. Uh, when they started doing these software updates for the robot, uh, when he first got out of the box, he was great at not rolling off the ledges of things. His sensors were great and the thing could scoot around on a table. You never had to worry about this thing falling off the table. Well, then they did some software upgrades and naturally sometimes you get bugs. This is not a slam against the company and the product is terrific. However, I did go on the forum and said, is anybody else having problems with their robot doing the same thing? And this one lady out of nowhere just started admonishing me. Well, Vector is a child and he can't be allowed. Would you let your child sit on the edge of a table that they could fall off and blah, blah, blah? I'm going to say it right here. No, you crazy bat. He is not a child. He is a robot toy and nothing more. He is not a child. And she writes, you know, how she created all these, she knitted all these little things uh, to surround him. And he has a little cushion and a little coat to absorb shock falls because that's what good parents do. You have just sucked all the fun out of owning this toy lady. I hope you understand that. And then you've got other people. Someone posted one time, is it just me? Or when you go to the store, are you thinking all the time about what you can buy for your robot to make him happier during his day? No, dude, it's just you. <laughs> it's it's not me. No, I've never gone to the store recently or shopped Amazon wondering what I can buy my toy robot, especially with that kind of expendable income in the middle of a pandemic. You need to realign your priorities, in my opinion. And you get more and more of this, you know, people uh, going out and, and creating like all these expensive sets for these little toy robots to run around. And it'd be different if they were children. They're grown adults. All I want to do is get some technical information on this forum. I didn't join the forum to post pictures of my child. I joined the forum in case there are technical difficulties, a physical breakdown of, of the product, so I can get some kind of support. And, and, and some people have been extremely helpful. Harrison, where are you going with this? Well, now you apply this back to film. And for example, when I left The Empire Strikes Back, after seeing it for the very first time in theaters, and I love the film. I saw it five times in the movie theaters. That's how much I enjoyed it. And it wasn't because I, you know, obsessed over every small detail or listened to every nuanced word from Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker or anything like that. I just went because it was great popcorn movie making. That's all. And you went to school and you could talk about this. You could openly talk about it without people looking at you like you're some idiot or you're some total uber nerd who has no social life. I had girlfriends in school. I, I, I had a, a hot girlfriend that I, I could mess around with, all of that stuff. I wasn't sitting in my basement in, in a dungeon masterhood rolling dice. And again, if you did that, that's fine. But my point is I felt... I enjoyed my pop culture with balance and understanding. I didn't obsess over this stuff. I didn't look for every tiny clue and, and piece of minutia and picking fly shit out of pepper because it ruins it. And as I grew up and the internet came around and, and all of this stuff, Star Wars fans have ruined Star Wars. That's my opinion. I'm embarrassed now in a public setting as an adult to say, 
I enjoy Star Wars or even Star Trek. And I enjoy it for more than just, oh, you know, like with the William Shatner episode on Saturday Night Live with Get a Life People. I'm not that way. If I met Bill Shatner in real life, I'd be thrilled to tell him how much, you know, his character brought me joy. But I'd also like to talk to William Shatner about other things in his life because I know he's William Shatner. He's not James T. Kirk. So I'm going on with this to, to go back to Godzilla versus Kong and the overanalyzation of data and information in pop culture because it's created a cynical aspect for us. I'll give you another example. When the uh, Jurassic World came out, the very first one, uh, I have a personal friend who has a son who posted on Facebook, and I'm not kidding you. It was, I'm paraphrasing, but it's almost exactly this. Oh my fucking God. The greatest experience I've ever had in my life. Jurassic World has changed my life. I got angry reading that because if this is the most drastic, life-changing experience, and again, if you were 12, I might understand it. But when you're pushing 30, Harrison, that's judgmental. Who are you? Blah, blah, blah. You make movies. You should be happy. No, I don't want anybody obsessing over any of my films. In fact, that kind of ardent fandom is what shit all over Death House at times for some fans because they could not get out of their own way and understand that Death House was not going to be a large collection of their favorite characters, Freddy, Jason, Pinhead, Candyman, Michael Myers. It wasn't going to be teaming them up. And no matter how many times I said it in the press, they still went into it waiting for Robert Englund to show up as Freddy Krueger and Kane Hodder to put on the mask. They kept waiting for it and it wasn't coming. I did something different. And it wasn't that I wanted to screw the fans in Ryan Johnson style with uh, The Last Jedi. What I wanted to do was provide something different. And here's the kicker, ladies and gentlemen. Those stars who are famous for those roles also wanted that. I hate to break it to you, but Tony Todd doesn't want to just be known for Candyman. He's done a bevy of a lot of work. In fact, I still feel... The man is deserving of an Oscar and he needs to expand and keep expanding. And while he's grateful for what Candyman has brought him in Night of the Living Dead and all of his horror work, Tony Todd is not defined by the horror genre. But God damn it, if people still want to define him as that. And it goes the same for Robert Englund. It goes the same for Kane Hodder. In fact, Kane is extremely proud of Death House because of the dramatic performance that he gave and a number of his fellow horror luminaries who sat in the secret screening of this movie came up and told him later, this is your film and it might be just your best performance ever. But fans will not accept that because they keep picking every single thing apart and it's sucking the fun out of the enjoyment of movies. So back to Godzilla versus Kong, one of the questions was, uh, Harrison, based on the trailer and what you saw, do you feel that there's too much CGI and that the CGI is going to be a big problem? Of course, overuse of CGI can always be a problem, as we know and as we've seen, and I'm sure you can cite five films off the top of your head right now that, that you can say, too much CGI. And you know what? 
That includes Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Because if you go back to my episode four podcast, I believe it was, episode four goes into how much I thoroughly enjoyed Godzilla, King of the Monsters and felt that Michael Dougherty did a wonderful job. I still had some issues as a filmmaker with it because I was concerned about every time, for example, every time we had this big widescreen shot of the monsters showing their scale and how big they were and the grandiose landscapes of all of this, they dropped something in front of the foreground, a jet, some type of military hardware. And it was like, no, 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 get that out of the way. I want to see this giant cityscape with these two squaring off. And they would do that. Or we saw the action through a windshield of a vehicle from the ground point of view. I don't want to see that. Show us like the old Japanese series monster movies did and show us these big wide vistas and landscapes where we can see everything. And I think a number of you will agree with me on this. We needed daytime shots like in Kong Skull Island where there's some fighting going on in sunlight and and at least overcast skies instead of constant darkness, darkness, darkness. And if you're going to see it in IMAX on 3D, the effect is lost. It's so dark and murky, you're not getting your 3D effect and you're throwing away the extra money on a ticket. So now let me go back and understand this. So you're going to obsess on this overuse of CGI and part of it again is understood. But we have become so focused on this before the film has even come out to judge it on Adam Wingard's pure merits as a director and filmmaker and the screenwriting and everything else, we're going to judge it on a 90-second trailer. And you remember, and if you've heard my interviews with other folks, you know how I feel about trailer reviews. They're bullshit too. Anybody out there with a website that is reviewing trailers, why are you wasting your time? Again, I use it as the equivalent. It's like walking into the doorway of a restaurant, taking three sniffs, and saying, yup, this place sucks. So let me ask you a question here. Back when the 1933 King Kong came out, the stop motion effects by Willis O'Brien were groundbreaking. In fact, nobody really saw things like this. I know you're going to argue, well, wait a minute, there was the 1920s, the Lost World and all that. Yeah, but we're talking now in 33, the full experience. Sound, that was the big deal. And in addition to the sound, the merging of the stop motion animation with gigantic mechanical effects, the huge arm and hand grabbing Fay Ray, uh, the giant mechanical Kong head and all of that stuff. Audiences had never seen anything like this. And there are stories of people that panicked, uh, they fainted in their seats or fell in the aisles, uh, all of that stuff. That is great. That is stellar filmmaking. But do you really think afterwards, after the film was done in the months after King Kong 1933 disappeared from screens, do you think people sat around and obsessed and wrote magazine articles and news articles and, and talked to each other obsessively over the stop motion animation? Well, you know, there was just too much stop motion. Uh, it just didn't look good enough. I don't think it really worked. Instead of praising the groundbreaking effects and appreciating the aesthetic that came out of the work from Willis O'Brien and his team, do you think they sat around and picked all of that movie apart? No, they didn't. 
And in fact, Kong got re-released in the 1950s and still made bank at the box office. Why? Because it was great. That's what I'm trying to say here. We obsess way too much over all of this stuff. Yes, you can lob criticism and well-founded criticism. Are the Star Wars prequels too reliant on CGI? Yes. But do we have to obsess about it to the point that whatever merit the Star Wars prequels have, and they do have merit, that's the other thing. This leads to the dangerous, cynical slope of saying, well, things like that just suck. A lot of fucking people worked on those prequels, man. And just because George Lucas had a lazy script and he wasn't really directing like he should have, doesn't mean those prequels sucked. You mean to tell me John Williams sucked? Really? His score sucked? You mean to tell me all those Academy Award winning and nominated special effects sucked? You may not have liked Jar Jar Binks, but the technical work that went into him to render him and to make him a human character? Come on, man. Be real film appreciatists here. Get out there and actually break this down instead of what you like and what you don't. And I'm a fan and I'm offended as a fan and pouring over all the endless data and special uh, features and DVD extras and all of that garbage. Look at things from an entertainment point of view instead of becoming so cynical that you're pouring over all this useless data and again, picking fly shit out of pepper to simply make a point. Because I do believe this gives fans the ability to sound powerful and knowledgeable because so much of this knowledge now is so easily accessible. The movie magic behind the original King Kong, it wasn't that easily accessible. People had to really research how Willis O'Brien did it. It wasn't like he was on TV giving interviews. It wasn't like the Kong DVD or VHS came out with a special featurette with Willis O'Brien. None of that existed. So really, you were resigned to the fact of imagine this, just sitting in your fucking movie seat and enjoying it. Imagine the idea of just going to a movie and enjoying it. And we're not doing that anymore. One last example. I went to see Rogue One in the theaters. And I enjoyed Rogue One very much. And in fact, I I got a surprise for me. Uh, On Twitter a couple weeks ago, I wrote, why is there so much hatred for Rogue One? Because I, I sincerely saw it. Uh, I saw, you know, there was like a, it was trending and people like, oh, you know, another Disney, Star Wars, trash and this, trash and that, the plotting, too many characters, characters were, oh my God, all of these, it was just fun. And I thought it dovetailed perfectly into A New Hope and in fact, possibly even redeemed Hayden Christensen's Darth Vader a little bit. Okay, I actually was able to get past and the setting up of Darth Vader is just a whiny bitch through two prequels and and that opening one, The Phantom Menace, where he was just an obnoxious child. I'm sitting in Rogue One and I knew nothing about it. Just so you know, I knew that Gareth Edwards directed it. I knew some things that it had to go back and get some reshoots and all that, but big deal. So, So do a lot of movies. I avoided all the spoiling information Because imagine, I just wanted to go see a Star Wars movie and sit there and enjoy it and judge it on its own merits. And so I'm sitting in the theater and it's when um, Peter Cushing's character, Tarkin, is revealed to us again. 
And I know we saw him at the end of Revenge of the Sith. And right there, you're going to have somebody say, no, no, no. What you don't understand is there was Governor Tarkin at the end of Revenge of the Sith and he and Vader are looking out, looking out. Shut up. My point is that it was Peter fucking Cushing again on screen. And there is a double-edged sword to this because while that is great, there's some deadly applications for this kind of, of facial reconstruction. But that's a different podcast altogether. All I could tell you is my mouth opened and I literally was like, no shit, get the hell out. And I loved it. Yes, I know it's not really Peter Cushing. Yes, I know they got a voice actor in there and they got another actor and he had all the CGI stuff on his face. But my God, it looked great. And sure enough, only about a week after the movie was out, some douchey YouTube movie host, okay, gets on and they talk in that quick cut editing. Hey everybody, got a new show for you. Buh, buh, buh. Let's talk about Rogue One. Da, da, da. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah. With a green screen behind them, no less. All right, that's what I love. Ranting about the green screen effects in Rogue One. And started talking about how the actor who played Peter Cushing and the reconstruction of Cushing's face, well, you can see the defects in it. It's not perfect, but I really appreciate the work that they've done. What a douche, okay? You are so condescending and so far out of your base. You have no appreciation at all for film. Film is not a product to sit down and deconstruct the magic like that. A lot of work went into bringing Peter Cushing back to the screen and it worked beautifully. And you've got these people now. Here's my point as I start to end this podcast. All of you who do that, all of you who pick the fly shit out of Pepper, you are the spoilers. Not the people leaking information. You are the spoilers. You're spoiling the fun or you're sucking the fun out of the room. You're that person who sits in a room with 20 people and watching A Nightmare on Elm Street and you're the one that just has to let everybody know you're smarter than everybody else. Well, you know, they did that. They had a rotating set and da 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 blah, 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 and see how smart I am. That's my point. Stop deconstructing the magic. I believe that DVD extras and the incessant coverage of how they did it on the internet is like a magician giving away their secrets. And I am not so sure we should be doing this because now we're not looking at film as a magical event. We're looking at it as a product to be deconstructed. And that is cynicism. When I sat in Raiders of the Lost Ark and Harrison Ford is hanging on the front of that truck and he goes underneath and he's hanging on the bottom of that truck and then flying. Look, that was really Harrison Ford doing his own stunts. But I didn't obsess. Go, how they do that? I wonder how they did that. Well, what you see is, is that he had some kind of apparatus underneath his clothing so he wouldn't get all cut up. I don't care. I just want to enjoy the movie. And we have forgotten this. And we have lost this ability. And we're getting lost in the subterfuge and the minutia. So for this episode, I'm asking all of you, Try to enjoy yourselves. Try to enjoy a movie. We have so much product now. I know it's harder. And when you sit down to watch this product, it better be good product because 
you don't have a lot of time anymore, right? There's so much out there. If you're going to give your attention to something, well, then it better be great. And I understand all of that. But appreciate the smaller films. Appreciate the work that goes into them. As a filmmaker, I know. Look, I don't always have the best budgets in the world to deliver all the greatest effects. But God damn it, I'm trying to deliver you a good entertaining product and a good entertaining film that sucks you in. At least have a great story. I'm trying to do all of that. But you get somebody going, well, you know, what, what you're seeing here in Death House is it's very clear that the elevator drop scene could never happen scientifically, that their hands would be. And my answer again to you right now, shut up. Enjoy the movie. Sit back and just relax. Stop deconstructing the magic. This is Harrison Smith. Thank you for listening. Go out and see Godzilla vs. Kong and just enjoy it. Thank you.